Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name's Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. And for our next stop on this adventure, I'm joined by the lovely Preet Chandy. Preet is a well-known British-born Indian explorer, skier and adventurer. She recently completed her solo unsupported journey to the South Pole, trekking over 700 miles in 40 days across the ice. Preet is also ex-British Army and joined the police force in 2007, where she then served for 14 years before starting her expedition. Through this incredible journey, Preet actually updated people via social media and on her website of how she was getting on during this incredible challenge. The planning for this adventure took over two and a half years and now after completing this and several others in that area of the world Preet has really gained a lot of confidence and is excited for the adventures to come and following her successful journey to this part of the world she's actually been renamed Polar Preet and if this wasn't enough Preet is also the first woman of colour to go on a solo trip to the South Pole and in this episode of the podcast we talk all about the adventures down in the South Pole and some of the mind-boggling things that happened to her during in this adventure and the reasons why someone would want to take on that challenge in the first place. But just before we jump into this week's episode with Preet, a word from this week's sponsor, Dry Robe. Dry Robe is the original outdoor changing robe designed to help you get active outside whatever the weather. A bit like having your own portable changing room, the oversized design of the Dry Robe Advance gives you plenty of space to get changed in and out of a wetsuit or sports kit, but is versatile enough to be worn as a coat or jacket. Made from 100% recycled fabrics, the waterproof and windproof outer protects you from the elements, whilst its super warm inner lining helps you to drive quickly after getting out of the water. What people really love about the Dry Rub Advance, though, is its versatility. It's perfect for a huge range of outdoor activities, including surfing, wild swimming, triathlon, paddleboarding, mountain biking, camping, and even walking your dog in torrential rain. Find out more about this awesome product and head to dryrobe.com. And with that, let's head straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with Preach Andy. Right, we're in we're in a room now, away from the main exhibition <laughs> hall. We've walked from completely the other side of the hall um, through the National Outdoor Expo, where you're speaking later. Yes. How are you? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, really good. It's. Um, I mean, I I have left the house a few times since I've been back. It always seems every time I leave, it's for a big event. So yeah, it's it's nice. I think it's strange. I think I'm still getting used to crowds, to be honest. Um, like I haven't been around. Do you know what I mean? Like big crowds. Yes. So yeah, it's um, it's when you're in it, you think, oh no, I'm fine, and you're in it, and you're like. Oh, it takes a bit of getting used to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very overwhelming, and like you said, um, you know, one of the first things you've done since you've you've come back, yeah. and I'm really excited to chat about your adventure. Yes. And, and I mean, how are you feeling now? Because it's yeah, it's- yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. So I I can't walk as fast as I usually do, and I'm slower on stairs. You know, things that you just normally take for granted. Um, Sorry, I've whizzed you through. No, no, it's fine. I? So I'm fine. I think I'm I'm fine walking. Um, I probably like if I had to go for like 30 minutes, I'd probably have to take yeah. a break at the moment. But again, it's just remembering that I'm not quite back to normal um, yet. But you know, it's going well. Like my leg is definitely healing well. Like the skin graft uh, on my leg has taken really well as well. So it's just, I think it took a lot more from my body than I thought it would. Mm. And I'm comparing that with the first trip that I did. And I think just the second expedition was just so much tougher in so many different ways. <laughs> cool. Well, well, I'm excited to talk about it, but we, we open up the podcast with a piece of advice uh, that I'll be giving to you, but it's coming from someone who's been on the podcast yeah. before and they don't know who they're leaving it for. And this advice comes from Colin Jackson, um, right. who is the XGB athlete. And his advice is enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Yes. And I love that advice. And I'd love to know what your how what you take from that piece of advice. I love that. Um, so enjoy what you can do. I think sometimes it's difficult uh, when you're doing things to actually enjoy it. And um, I had a message in my tent, actually, that said, remember to enjoy it. <laughs> and I have to say, I did roll my eyes quite a lot at that because um, I found it hard. It was a struggle. Mm. Um, but I think there's just so many incredible things that we can do. And sometimes, well, sometimes it's important to actually pause and be like, this is pretty amazing. 
Uh, and I amazing. don't think we do that often enough. Um, and, you know, while you can, I think 100%, like do as much as you can, like what you enjoy, what's important to you. I think sometimes we can get sucked into, uh, I should be, I need to do this because I should be doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is the path I should be following. So I think, thank you very much, Colin. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to ask you for your piece of advice yeah. at the end. So, uh, so look forward to that. Um, but the other question that we ask to everyone is very simply, what do you love about being outside and active? Um, I love the freedom. I feel like, um, you know, wherever you are in the outdoors, the outdoors isn't judging you. Um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's freedom. You just have that kind of, that space. I mean, I've done a few things solo now. Um, and funny cause I'm, um, I like being around people. <laughs> so, it's quite so, ironic that. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think for me, it was the challenge of doing yeah. something solo. Um, and it just, yeah, you know, you can just do so many different things outdoors. It, um, I think freedom is a big thing. I think it's really good for your mental health as well. Um, since being back, like I said, I hadn't actually left the house much. And I realised just even going for outside for a few minutes just made me feel so much better. Um, yeah, and just that cabin fever. Uh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And it just... Um, yeah, for me, I can let, you know, I'm a daydreamer and I like just being outside and just letting my like thoughts flow or sometimes, you know, listening to audiobooks when I'm outside or just listening to like the natural noises, like a, a mixture. I love that. And there's just so much to explore. You know, when I think of adventure, it can be anything. It can be camping in my mum's back garden with my niece. You know, it, it can be anything. People often ask me what inspires me and I'm inspired by people pushing any boundary. You know, you're doing couch to 5k. Amazing. Like, you know how hard it is to like you know start the start is really hard so the fact that people have started that's incredible I've kind of ventured off a little bit there <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's um, good. but no I think um there's yeah there's so much I love about the outdoors um and I really wish that I had you know done stuff sooner but you know whenever you do start start and, and that literally could be anything um a walk around the corner local park whatever it is and you know even if it seems a little bit daunting at first just take the first step I'm giving my advice already yeah, uh, yeah. take the first step you know and that and that could be anything so don't yeah don't be afraid of kind of something seeming like it's out of reach well I'm glad you kind of touched on adventure there because I was going to ask you do you, you've, you've taken on so many different adventures yeah. but adventures can come in all sorts I use the word adventure in sort of um, quotation marks because adventure can be a solo unsupported trip across the Antarctic or it can be uh, a trip to your local park yes, yes. so the kind of question that I wanted to ask you about do you remember where it started do you remember your first sort of mini adventure that you had yeah so I am um, there wasn't a huge amount of adventures I think I mean I, I played sport when I was I played tennis when I was younger and um First time I properly went camping was actually when I joined the army at 19, uh, the army reserves to start with. And that was a bit of a shock to my system. Um, I was like, what kind of camping is this? You know, um, but, um, and I started to push out my comfort zone within the army. And then I just started doing things outside as well. Uh, and for me, it was running, uh, just because I enjoyed longer distances and I, I liked that I could keep going. Mm. And then when my niece was born, I remember thinking that I wanted her or wanted to do adventures with her because I wanted it to be normal for her to you know, do things outside of a comfort zone. For example, the first time I took her camping in my mum's garden, she was about four and it was such a huge deal to everybody in the family. Is she going to be okay? You know, make sure you don't lock her inside. Like, you know, make sure you let her leave if she wants to. Because, and even, and I remember being frustrated by that. And I was like, she's going to be fine. We're literally camping in the back garden. But when you're doing something that's so different and so out of the norm, you know, people will always kind of question it. Oh, why are you doing that? Why not just sleep inside? Uh, my niece, Simran, absolutely loved it. You know, she loved it. And for me, so we, me and her do adventures every year. We stayed um, in a helicopter in RAF Wainfleet, which is converted to like a bed sit, which I found on Airbnb. Um, you know, I've taken a horse riding. Like I'd never even ridden a horse, but just whatever it is. So adventures... Yeah, I really enjoy kind of doing my adventures with her. And then I, I think about where it stemmed from. I think for me, it stemmed from wanting to do something different. Mm. Um, you know, not, yeah, not wanting to do kind of the norm, whatever the norm is. And I think, you know, we can create our own normal, but people have always um, told me that I should be doing a certain thing. Like, why can't you do the normal thing, Preet? Why can't you be normal, Preet? I get told quite a lot. <laughs> well, what does normal mean? Well, exactly, exactly. I think we create our own normal, um, which is an amazing thing, right? So normal can be anything. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was really important to kind of, for my niece to know that, because I figured as well, if she starts doing these things when she's younger, it is just normal, you know, 
it doesn't have to be such a huge thing and imagine that imagine if you're pushing those comfort zones when you're younger like imagine how big that comfort zone grows and for me that's really exciting yeah I mean I can take even from the first sort of 10 minutes of having a chat a lot of what you're talking about is breaking boundaries trying something that you've not done before exploring different things uh testing yourself as well and obviously that's that's a massive part of going on these these massive adventures what is it that made you think where are my boundaries and why do you want to try and find those those areas I think the reason I wanted to find it was because I was told so often that I shouldn't be doing those things uh you know I was a rebellious one like you know even when I joined the army reserves I didn't tell anybody in my family um you know when I did tell them I was a shit scared sorry (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah I uh, I um you know I told them afterwards and there were certain people who weren't very happy uh you know joined as a private soldier uh when I eventually became an officer in the army reserves I didn't invite anyone to my passing out parade it wasn't until I joined the regular army that I did um and you know they were proud of kind of what I'd achieved and accomplished in the army but again when you're doing something that's different to what's expected and you know people will say the outdoors is for everyone like but if you come from a community where not only is it not encouraged but sometimes discouraged because you know well why do you want to do that why can't you just do you know whatever again this normal thing is um and yeah I so that's where it started for me it was more about the I want yes I want to push myself definitely you know I, I enjoy pushing myself physically and mentally but you know what all these things people have said to me, you shouldn't be doing that or you can't do that. What can I do? And it's like when I reached the South Pole for the first time, it was just unbelievable. I was like, wow, loads of people told me I couldn't do this. And I got here and it was almost like uncovering a little secret. Like this is possible for someone like me. And, you know, I, I would need to go back and tell people that we can do this. And, you know, forget Antarctica, but wh- whatever it is for you, whether it's art, science, adventure, sport, you know, it could be literally anything. And you don't have to come from a certain background. You don't have to come from a certain world. You can know nothing about it, you know, and I genuinely didn't know anything about it. It's okay. You don't have to fit a certain mold. And, and that was important for me. The, the adventure part, almost came afterwards it was I I was like I want to do something big that's going to push push me Uh, I say it came afterwards you know all these adventures we talk about they're they're adventures in themselves right which I love doing with my niece Um, and I think yeah maybe that's where it started when she was one I was like I wanted to do a bit more and a bit more because I saw this young girl um, you know when she was little and thinking like just yeah we can go and do anything and some you know I remember her going to the like climbing up to a big slide and mm. then she'd like kind of and no one else is allowed on our adventure so it's just me and her <laughs> and um um and she'd look at me and you know like oh it's quite a big slide now I've got here and I was like well you know we can go down this way and then and then she'll just go and do it and I just didn't want the reason it's just me and her on these adventures is I didn't want anyone else there being like oh are you going to be okay like you know are you, I see what you mean, yeah. and uh, I just like I said I wanted it to be normal for her to push out her comfort zone and that slide was out of her comfort zone but you know what she did it and she was a little bit scared and at the end I was like how was that you know actually it was okay um and such a good lesson to learn at, at a young age yeah. as well just like, you're actually a able to achieve a lot more than you maybe think that you are 100% and and those boundaries they come in so many different forms like you know my mum had an arranged marriage when she was 17 and I remember her getting a divorce was such a huge thing in the community their boundaries I didn't even have to think about you know so they can you know boundaries are different things for different people and I think a lot of people now will come up to me and say you know, my adventure, like first thing they will say is, oh, mine's nowhere near as big as yours. And I'm like, well, no, like don't, don't compare that. Mm. You know, it took, first of all, it took me years to get here as well. And that is an adventure. They're yeah. huge adventures. You know, go back to that couch to 5k. Yeah. Man, to get off, you know, to start is really hard. So like, that's amazing. And I don't think we should like, um, diminish that or like, you know, make them seem smaller than they are. Cause I think they're incredible. I completely agree. I completely agree. You've used the phrase or you've said, someone like me a few times for someone listening it might be thinking I don't know what you mean yeah. Where, give some context behind what you mean yeah I mean I'm just you know a Punjabi woman from Derby um, I didn't come out of school very much um, I had to retake maths GCSE failed it the first time uh, I didn't have any A-levels um, I did an access course to get onto my uh, degree um, which was one of my biggest achievements I remember being told I wasn't smart enough um, to, to do it uh, I was told I didn't have enough, enough kind of qualifications which actually was correct um, because I, I hadn't done the A-levels however yeah. doing the access course was fine and I remember that year I was 19 I felt a little bit lost um, 
didn't really know what I wanted to do. Saw an advert for the army um, in Derby City Centre, so they do work. <laughs> Signed <laughs> yeah. up. You know, I got a job at Burger King to like make sure I, you know, could earn money. I started volunteering around the hospital, like the local Derby hospital, going around with the trolley because I just wanted to get as much experience as possible. And to be honest, I was super nervous and I thought I'm not going to get into uni. And I just, you know, I shadowed so many like physios in different areas. And I remember getting into uni and, you know, there's certain moments you remember and I won't ever forget that, like how I felt that I actually got into university. Um, So I think someone like me, I think I just been a normal person. Um, You know, I think it's really easy to see the end result. So people will look at me and be like, oh, but you're in the army as an officer. I didn't start there. (laughs) You know, you've been to Antarctica. But yeah, you know, I have now, but I didn't know anything about it to start with. And I never thought I'd be an army officer or fit the mould that would be an army officer. The first time um, I went for the assessment, actually I had a mock assessment first and and I tanked it. It was like, it went so badly. And I was, I came out like, oh my God, like that, you know, they're probably thinking no way. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I had the mock. So it was run by my local unit. And then I went and studied really hard. um, And I have, I still have the folder somewhere, probably in my mum's shed uh, now, but you know, of like studying. So loads of different folders of things like current affairs and, and things that, you know, I might have to discuss at the, at the assessment. Um, but it's, it's good to look back, I think, uh, because like I said, everybody starts somewhere and I think that a lot of things are achievable and people will think, oh, but I can't do that. And I get that a lot as well. People will be like, oh yeah, but you know, you're, you're adventurous and you're sporty. And, and don't get me wrong, like to be completely honest, I think I have always been sporty. Like yeah. at school, I remember enjoying, I've always been relatively tall as well. Um, and that I, certain level of physical ability to yeah. be able to complete some of the things yeah and, and I enjoyed you know I enjoyed that side of it as well so I 100% understand that but you know don't don't limit yourself it's um yeah the, there's it's a really huge world and I think you know these barriers and boundaries often they come from from us within uh and don't get me wrong they'll, they'll come from other people too like communities will say you shouldn't be doing this. This is the path that you need to stay on. And, you know, I think often we are encouraged to stay in a certain box. Um, but, you know, you take the first step outside of that and it, it becomes bigger and bigger and it's it's incredible. So I imagine when you told people that you were taking on this Antarctica challenge, <laughs> you probably got a lot of people going, you're not going to be able to do that. Yes. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You can't do that. I mean, just to give some context to people that are listening of, okay, what this challenge was, and I'll let you elaborate elaborate it on it more, but it's travelling over 1,100 miles, pulling a sledge with everything in, temperatures up to minus 50 degrees, uh, wind speeds of 60 miles an hour, and over a long period of time as well, over a couple of months. Where did this idea come from? Uh, I... So... I'll start a little bit from the beginning. So, so yeah, there's so much to say. So I um, I knew I wanted to do something big at this point. I just didn't know what it was going to be. And um, I'd entered Marathon de Sables, which is this uh, ultra marathon in the desert, and which is kind of over seven days. And um, I had read about this in a Secret Santa book somebody had given me, which it, the title was something along the lines of like toughest challenges. Um, and I remember when I saw it, and I thought, God, that sounds insane. And, you know, a few years later, I was like, right, I'm going to enter this. And in my mind, I thought, if I can do this, I can do anything. And I think the reason I thought that is because, you know, rewind those few years back when I first saw it, I was like, that seems impossible. Mm-hmm. So if something once that seemed impossible to me, if I can do that, I can do whatever you know, and, um, I was ready to kind of train for this. You enter like a year before I then ended up going on operational tour with the military. Um, so I was in South Sudan for six months and, um, had some time off anyway, got a little bit injured on the way back. So didn't manage to train the way I was supposed to, but, uh, you know, I went to the event, um, got my kit and stuff a week before, um, and I entered <laughs> on my own, but you're never alone there. Like you're, uh, oh, yeah, the, people have said yeah, it's, a, it's a great atmosphere. It really is. And, you know, I was in a tent with a few of the people who I'm still in touch with today and, and, you know, we all, we all completed it and it was great. And it was before that somebody had mentioned Antarctica to me and straight away I thought, not a chance. Don't know anything about it. I tried skiing. I was called Bambi. I was terrible, you know, like <laughs> genuinely terrible. And, um, but it stuck in my mind because I thought, well, how amazing would it be to go and do something you don't know much about? You know, like I said, we yeah. all start somewhere. Uh, so I did. I started on Google. 
you know, Antarctic expeditions. Uh, it wasn't that long before I found Antarctic logistics and expeditions and emailed them. I remember uh, one of the first bits of paperwork Steve Jones sent me, who's the expedition manager for them. And it said, have you been on a glacier? Have you... Um, been ice climbing and there was loads of other questions that I couldn't answer yes to because I didn't have Have that much experience so then I uh I last minute got a flight to Iceland uh booked just with a company rented out a car drove along and uh went ice climbing and walked on a glacier and came back and filled the form out uh because then I could you know well yeah (laughs) I just wanted to write yes for something um and came back created Polar Preet the website which my partner created he works in IT and you know did that for me and I just decided that I wanted do a crossing of Antarctica like I looked into it found out information uh trained I used and it was hard like Mm. I had this crazy idea I couldn't get kind of leave um so I like during all of my annual leave I trained um I like did a big trip to Greenland where I used my life savings to go coming back from the first trip to the South Pole I was in a lot of debt for quite a few months um Luckily, the second trip that I did, um, I had uh, a lot more sponsors come on board and I didn't have to come back into debt. <laughs> but I did take unpaid leave from work to do it as well. So it was difficult to get there. This is like two and a, over two and a half years. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So so I wanted to do this uh, crossing of Antarctica. Like I did some training, I went to Norway, Greenland, and I put my application into this logistics company. Uh, they rejected the application uh, because I still didn't have enough experience. That's why I did the first one. So I did phase one, which was 700 miles solo to the south. Pole, um, basically, yeah, to get the experience to do phase two, and um, and then my application was approved. My aim was to do the uh, the crossing, so solo one support crossing. Really struggled year two, uh, the second year. So um, the first one, my sled was I think about eighty seven kilograms. Uh, 700 miles to the pole took me forty days. The second trip, that seven hundred miles took me fifty six days. Um, and my sled weighed 120 kilograms. So yes, it was a lot heavier, but the just conditions were a lot harder. Mm. Um, everything was tougher about it. And because I was so far behind mentally, I, I think I always knew that I don't have enough time. So when I got to the South Pole... I, I mean, for me, I was like, I can't stop. I've, I'm going to keep yeah, going. Yeah. Uh, but I was still 100 miles short of my goal. So actually, I got to 922 miles in 70 days, which is where I was picked up. And that was difficult um, because I didn't reach the goal of what I was supposed to do. Um, so it was still, it still kind of was the longest solo unsupported one way ski expedition. Um, but in my mind, bearing in mind I'm on the ice on my own, you know, you get in your own head, I felt like I'd failed. That's so interesting how, I mean, relatively, you, you, we were talking about how, you know, adventure can be anything and it can be a couch to 5K, it yes, can yeah. be, this, you know, the Marathon de Sable, you yeah. know, complete different ends of a spectrum. And most people would look at going, well, okay, maybe you didn't achieve the the exact goal you wanted, but oh, come on, look at what you did. <laughs> yeah. But in your head, and yeah, especially yeah. when you've been in your own head, like yes, you said, yeah, for yeah. so long... Did you see it as a failure then? hundred uh, percent. Yeah, yeah. And wow. it's the isolation. And I think what was hard is that was in my head so much of the way. I mean, 16 more days it took me to get to the pole. Compare, do you know what I mean? Comparing first year to second year. And obviously I hadn't thought it would. I thought 10 days maybe max because of the extra weight I'm carrying. Yeah. But that's a lot longer. So I always knew that I was behind time. Um, and I was pushing it like anything. You know, the first to the pole, I was doing 13 to 15 hour days, sleeping four to five hours. Uh, everything was quick, like getting my tent, quick checking corks. I need to melt snow, cook, get to sleep as quickly as I can to do the same the next day. After the pole, obviously I don't have much time left to start doing 24 hour days. So I would ski with my sled for 24 hours before I stopped. Uh, and then I had to extend the sleep to like six, seven hours because I was so exhausted. Yeah. But I was like pushing myself to exhaustion every single day while in my head knowing each day that I'm still not covering enough distance to make the end um so yeah mentally and physically this trip was you know and and it's you know you always compare it right to the first one um the last I don't know four or five days I was just absolute in clip state like (laughs) well I I was on your website you did some awesome updates yes yeah um Every day. Yes, I, I, I did. Yeah. And, and I was, I listened to the first one. I'm, like, oh, I'm, I'm starting <laughs> yes, <yeah>. now, you <laughs> know, it's been, a, it's been quite challenging. I think you had a whiteout in the first yes, few yeah. days as well, which um, is basically where you can't see yes, yeah. past your hand in front of your face. And then I listened to the, I think the last one of the set, the yeah. last few, and it was 
you were shattered. I absolutely, uh, uh, yeah. Just you could hear, it was almost very, well, it was very emotional yeah. as well. And what you, what you were saying, especially that last day yeah. um, of, of, it was very emotional. I mean, and you could really see just in, even just hearing your voice, what who you'd gone through in those past, you know, that couple of months. Yes, yeah. So it must be so mentally taxing. It, it, it was, it was really mentally taxing. And I think it's easy to look back in hindsight and think, um, you know, I'm glad I pushed myself to that limit. And hopefully that's, a, you know, um, a message in itself. Like, yes, dream big, have those goals. It is okay to change the goal as well. I mean, I literally did do that. You know, I, I didn't make the end point. But I also want to be quite um, honest about it all. You know, actually, that was my aim. I didn't make that. Um, and I never actually thought I wouldn't make it. Um, so that was quite hard to think about. Okay. Um, and not because I, I don't think that's because I, you know, um, an in an arrogant way or anything it was more just I compared the first one okay so if I can make the pole 40 days we'll give it 50 max and then do you know what I mean I have yeah. that time for the, it's, it's for weird the second having, part obviously the first time was, yeah. you had that it was a great way to just an experience yes, in a way yeah. to train yourself but almost in a way <laughs> it was part of your downfall in the second yeah, one yeah. because you had that comparison to yeah oh, well, I, I was, I'm, I'm behind yeah and also so the second one so um it'd been so windy in kind of the off season that the some of the containers or one of the containers at the logistics their camp had even blown over and I, can't, I don't know how heavy but they're huge you know um so you almost knew that the sastrugi was going to be worse so the sastrugi are the wind-shaped ridges um okay. and they were there in some of the sections I didn't expect on phase one. And then when they weren't there, there was soft snow. So the, the conditions of the season were just harder. Now, soft snow with 120 kilogram pork is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, you know, it just made it feel so much harder and so mm. much like dragged so much more. And then even after the poll, I remember people saying to me, oh, you know, I think it gets a bit easier that side. But again, the conditions have been easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been difficult that actually they weren't the sastrugi was unreal like these snow walls were like double my height so then I'd have to like get over them drag the sled but then there was more sastrugi do you know what I mean it wasn't yeah. flat so it yeah it, it was it Things was tough that you really don't want on the top <laughs> yeah. of just the the movement each day I mean yes. did you have a sort of routine of I'm going to give myself this much you know I'm going to go at this time and yeah. then I'm going to have food at this time and then you know almost mental um, checkpoints to keep you going like so I suppose you need to find motivation from within yourself as well yeah so I would ski hour and a half um take a 10 minute break and have some food and fluids and then keep going and then keep doing that the last it might have been the last week or so or even after the poll I'd I just slow down a lot probably the last week I was I was going pretty slowly um like on the map, I don't think you can tell that much, but I was doing 24, you know, that's the distance I was covering in like literally 24 hours. The space so between the voice notes. Yes, <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, but I was just doing really, really long days. It was, I wasn't going quicker. <laughs> um, and it, you know, I wasn't motivated a lot of the time, but I think you don't always have to be. So, you know, even if you're not motivated, just keep going. You know, I wasn't motivated to get outside of my tent every day. I was miserable. I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place, but I just had to, I was almost telling myself that, you know, this isn't about me. It's more important than me. So just get on with it. You know, this is, it's bigger than me. I'm one person, but what I was trying to achieve and do, and like I said before, like, you know, if someone like me, a Punjabi woman from Derby can go and do this, then we as individuals can go and achieve anything. So I did give myself yeah, I think we're well, I was probably quite mean to myself at times. And they do say, like, you know, try and talk to yourself as as you would a friend. So sometimes I would literally in my mind uh, kind of say to myself, you're OK, you're OK, you're OK. And it'd be a constant you're OK, because the last this last the 48 hours were like a nightmare that I couldn't get out of. So it was a whiteout. I was in a Sastrugi field. So all that kept happening. So whiteout, like you said, it's literally someone said once like traveling in a marshmallow. You literally cannot see anything in front of you. So I can't see the Sastrugi. So I would just go into it and I'd fall over. So in each every 90 minute stint, I was falling genuinely like 15 times. I just cannot explain like how almost I wanted to scream. I wanted to like shout and I just, you know, I wanted to cry and I just, I'd go down and I'd be like, okay, get up and then just keep going again. And it was just, yeah, it it was unbelievable. I mean, just to emphasize the 
element of it being solo, unsupported, because yeah. people would listen and maybe think, oh, yeah, I'm sure there's someone driving <laughs> next with, with a sled next to them, yeah. you know, dropping some food yeah, off yeah. and some warm stuff. This is obviously you, you have tracking and there's, yes, there, there yeah. are safety precautions, yes, of course, I, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. But you are genuinely on your own. Yeah, you are on your own. So I did actually, so there's different points that I saw people like at the South Pole, for example, you know, you see people there. But yeah, day to day, you're, you're literally on your own. Um, so there's, yeah, you know, you pick where you want to camp for the night. You just keep going. Like I, I was listening to audiobooks, so they're the voices I had with me. And then obviously my own great company. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, there's... it's a gps tracker so i had a satellite phone and i would uh check in with the logistics company every day at 9 30 p.m so that was my check-in time just to tell them my gps location and you know that i'm okay basically as well um yeah with a thumbs up yeah Yeah. i'm doing okay um but yeah you 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 are kind of physically out there on your own and uh yeah but you were providing updates on your on well there were updates on social media but it wasn't just the oh it's another day you know ready to go again you would showing the ups and downs of it as well yeah and I think that again is important for me you know I never wanted to be uh like oh I've done this but you know I I'm amazing I can do this like it wasn't about that it was you know actually it's really hard today I'm finding it tough and I wanted to talk about different things on the blog so I wanted to talk about you know menstrual health and periods I wanted to talk about um you know, mental health as well. Just just make it as broad as possible. And, you know, I ran the school competition, which was so close to my heart, you know, like being able to take the logos of the winners with me and I had their stickers on my sled on one side um, was really important. So the blogs were for me as well, you know, they it was like my connection to, to the outside and it was so heartwarming to see comments when I got back. So for me, I was just leaving a voicemail. Um, so I, I don't update the social media. So my sister-in-law did the social media. My partner did the website. So I don't see any of that. For me, it was just a voicemail. Um, yeah. So I, I leave that on my satellite phone. Um, and, you know, thank the people that helped me along the way. And yeah, it was, it was the blog is pretty special to me. Do you adapt to the cold? Because it was a funny thing on that tracker section of your website. Yes, it's yeah. a, I, Oh, minus 33. Feels like minus 50, which always makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it minus 33 (laughs) or is it minus 50? Which which one? But do you uh, adapt to that quite quickly? So, um, so yes, at the start, I feel like I did. But with both expeditions, I've gone past a point where I struggle to get warm again. And I think that's just because I've lost uh, fat and muscle. Uh, And I had the same this time. But also, at the start and the end of the season, the weather is a little bit more... um, uh, unpredictable and it gets colder and when you know uh whereas the mid and I, I'm talking kind of generally you know yeah. I've, I've I've only done um two seasons in, in Antarctica but I did find that so at the start um we had pretty bad weather like um you know it was a bit of a storm I got a bit of a weather warning and at the end as well I was like it was hard to tell at the end because I was thinking it's freezing but I'd also lost like 20 kilograms at that point so it was a wow. hard like to, to chat, you know, was it just, but, you know, if I think back now, I'm like, no, the conditions were that hard, especially the Sestrugian. I remember that, you know, I wasn't, I did almost like think to myself, is it just me? Like, am I just hanging out that much that I'm finding it this hard? But no, the conditions really were that difficult. And I can compare that to the first trip. And I, if I compare the first trip now, you know, it was okay. It's funny, isn't it? Walk in the park. Well, like in comparison, it really was, you know, yeah, 700 miles, 40 days. But, you know, there was no point that I questioned, can I keep going? Never. Like, and I hallucinated on the first one because I, I, I didn't say, sleep. I didn't sleep for, I can't remember what I pushed it now. I think I did like, I don't know, maybe did like 40 hours in a row. I did something silly, Gosh. like a lot. Like I skipped sleep for a day, maybe it was 30, <laughs> something like that. Um, and I genuinely hallucinated, like, you know, I what saw a little old lady, I had a dog. We tried to climb up a mountain, but I could never like get to the top of the mountain. And then at some point I thought I'd finished and I was dreaming. And then I thought I couldn't, I was trying to access the memory of me getting to the South Pole. And I was like, well, if I'd finished, I would have that memory do you know what I mean? And I couldn't get it. Like there was, it wasn't there. So then I, yeah. So, and (laughs) you know what, if there was like a camera or someone that it was probably quite (laughs) funny to watch because I couldn't figure out which direction I was going in. Like I was looking back at tracks. Like I remember it really vividly. Uh, anyway, eventually I stopped, put the tent up 
And I first called my partner and I said, what date is it? And he told me and I was like, okay, something's wrong. Because I kept, when I was skiing, I would stop and I'd touch myself, like, like pat myself down and I'd be like, it's not me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Something's wrong, but I'm okay. It's not coming from me. That's so yeah. interesting. So I, that, I, I imagine you can't, you can't, unless you experience it, yeah. it's difficult to kind of understand if you're going through hallucinations and, yeah. and checking yourself as well, it was, especially it was, when you have... 24 hours a day with your own thoughts pretty much (laughs) yeah it was it was and then it was only so I think if I was with somebody else they would have clocked it because it was only when I as soon as I spoke to my partner Dave that I was like oh no it's me and then I called the logistics company and they were like yeah you need to leave (laughs) clearly and um and then actually they made me check in and then this is the first trip they then made me check in I can't remember I think it was like every two hours for safety reasons just as fair enough um before I then got to the pole uh but to be honest after I'd slept I was um, I was okay. I was fine, but I that next day I was really slow, and I think I'd exhausted myself. Like I was going at a really slow place. Yeah, like I, I was so close something. to the pole then. So this time I I didn't hallucinate because I knew that I couldn't go past. I think the max I, I might have gone close to thirty hours, but I knew I couldn't go past that because then I would probably start hallucinating. Um, but even comparing the two with the hallucination, the first one, no so much easier a really ignorant or childish question when you get to the south pole how do you know what's there yeah there's loads there so um you see stuff that's man-made like you know really quickly because going like as you're skiing normally day to day you can't really see anything on the horizon Mm. um have you got like a a compass in front of you yes so i literally have a compass on a compass mount on front like in front of me the whole time because otherwise it'd be so easy to veer off yeah yeah yeah, veer off direction and then i check my bearings so the direction of my travel on my gps each evening just to double check that is still this you know i haven't veered off slightly or anything um and then um as you're approaching the south pole if you've got good visibility you see like the weather station there's like a logistics camp there's a big research center there's loads there um yeah there's there's so much there more there than you think um so there's there's no that yeah you couldn't go past it <laughs> and then having having days weeks when you're not interacting with people yes, yeah. longer than a yeah i'm fine yeah when what was your thought process and feeling knowing that it was coming up to the end, um, this fourth end, especially in the yes, second yeah. one, and that you're coming back into civilization. Um, so when I saw the, so I saw the twin otter, the plane, probably was either like four or five hours out and I could see a dot and I knew that was it. Uh, frustratingly, there was still a bit of an incline with a lot of Sestrigi in the area. Uh, so I saw it and I was like, right, it's there now. Um, th- that day was horrible. It'd mostly been a whiteout or cloudy and then it just started to clear up, saw the plane and it, that four or five hours were like the longest four or five hours in my life. It was just unbelievable. Like I was flagging so hard. Um, and I remember I stopped 20 minutes away, uh, got my GPS out to check how far it was. And it was 0.2 nautical miles. And I was like, because it was just taking so long for me to get there. And even though it looked like it was getting close, do you know what I mean? I was like, how far away is it? Like yeah, it's just taking it's so long. And then, um, I felt pure relief. That's what I felt. I didn't feel really? proud. I didn't. I just felt relief that it was over. I was, you know, and and um, Rob Smith. So there were three people there um, to pick me up, and uh, they had their tents up. They'd been there for a few days um, waiting for me. And uh, Rob Smith, who's one of the Ailey guides, was there, and I absolutely bored my eyes out. Like really? you know, gave him a hug. Yeah, I was just. And I and I just remember saying it was so hard. I was crying and just like it was so hard, you know. Um, and yeah, it was pretty emotional. Um, and surprised. and like again, the first trip, I didn't cry once. Really? Yeah. Um, and that's because um, I, you know, I'm not against like if you're feeling down, sure. But I also think um, sometimes there's a time and a place. And if it's not going to help me, why do it? For you in that situation. For me in that, that situation, it wasn't going to help mm. me. And I needed to just get going. You know, I was pushing myself. Um, so there were times where like, you know, my ears would, ears would well up? My, my eyes would well up, but I didn't cry. Um, the second trip, <laughs> I don't even know how many times I cried. <laughs> Genuinely. The waterworks with the, the floods. So opened. like I, um, I think the first time I was about 83 degrees in, which would have been five ten, like 15-ish days um, in. There, there was a lot of sastrugi. My pork flipped over. 
so still weighs, I don't know, like 110-ish kilos or, or whatever. And um, so then I had to go back. And it's hard to go back with your skis and all, try to flip it back over, check the fuel. Fuel leaks, game over. Um, when again, for about 10 seconds, flips over again. And when I say flip, not even on its side, like completely capsizes. Had to go back. And like, you know, my eyes are welling up at this point, but I'm like, no, it's fine. And then the third time it happened, I just broke down so, and I cried um I'd never for long because again I need, I need to keep going and it's cold outside um so then I took my skis off and had to drag that literally gone foot for a short amount of time to get like my pull out but when you're in those conditions in a whiteout it's just a nightmare because it's hard to see where you're going to get out and it was just constant falling over and constant so yeah comparing this trip to the last one it just like I said I just can't compare them to be honest game. it really was and and again circling back round to that that final voice note i mean i'd be doing a disservice trying trying to paraphrase you but effectively the it, you were talking about inspiring people yes, yeah. inspiring people um that they can do more than than they think they can and they, yes, they yeah. can't be kept into into a room but you also spoke about not conquering Antarctica because yes, that's yeah. not the phrase you would use. It's yeah. about respecting it. 100%. So elaborate on what you mean. Yeah, I think for me, it's just important to, I don't think you conquer any of these places. You know, Antarctica is a huge place, an amazing place, which if it wanted could take me out in a second, yeah. right? Um, I covered, I, it's like dipping my toes in the ocean, for the first trip. The second one, maybe let's go for dipping both my toes, you know, <laughs> on both sides into the ocean. But, you know, it's a place you should treat with respect. And, you know, it allowed me safe passage at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, of course, I respect that place. It's an, an amazing place that I hold really dear in my heart. I'm not going to lie and say I loved it when I was out there. I didn't. I, <laughs> you know, I was struggling so much in that second trip. Um, and I don't even know that there was a day that I thought, this is amazing. First trip, yes. You know, I had days like that. I had good days. Um, you know, my sled's getting lighter and the conditions weren't as bad. And I thought, well, wow, you know, this is incredible. Um, I struggled to get to that point in the second trip. Um, but still, you know, you're still in this amazing place and you still treat it with respect. And I think that's the same wherever you go in the world. Um, I don't think anyone should, yeah. I don't know. Is it arrogance to say you'd conquer a place like that? You know, I, yeah, I don't think, I think it's... the way that you explain it makes complete sense. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think where it originally came from. So, um, some, I mean, I don't think it's a word I'd ever use anyway, but I remember Louis Rudd, um, who, you know, has done loads of expeditions in Antarctica and helped me loads, had mentioned that Henry Worsley, who sadly passed away a few years ago, I think had told him um, that, you know, it's not a word you should ever use with Antarctica. And it was somebody else that had told Henry um, that, you know, you should. And I love that. I love that it's come because I, you know, I, w I wasn't part of this polar world um, up until a few years ago. And it's such an amazing community. And, you know, there are so many people that, you know, for example, Henry, um, who sadly passed away, helped that helped me. Uh, which is really powerful. It's so um, you're part of that passing it along again, and you're part yeah. of that community. And anyone who else, anyone else, you want yeah, hundred percent challenges like that. Hundred percent, like there's you know the polar. There's there's been a lot of barriers on the long way for sure, but the polar community have been amazing. You know, I came from literally knowing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know, it's not the the biggest community, which is really great because when I went to the Union Glacier Camp, which is where the ALE base is, there's like so many faces that I recognise. Or and you know, when I finished. And I went into the cookhouse. Um, I think they, they usually clap when people come in from trips. But I was like one of the last people in. And, you know, it's the first time I saw so many people at once. And I came in and I was in clip. You know, my face is in clip. I had um, a lot of neck pain. So my head was down. Yeah. I was hobbling in and, you know, everyone clapped. And again, you know, I was very emotional um, just seeing everyone. And, you know, they were like, we were there with you every step of the way because they're getting updates about me course, as well yeah. and it just you know and it really felt like they were it really felt like they were with me each step of the way and like you said it had its it's taken its toll on you mentally but also yes. physically yes, yeah. and you're still recovering yes. like we spoke about at the beginning <laughs> I mean the, the operation that you had yes. the skin graft what what happened yeah so um there's a condition called polar thigh um so I think polar thigh because it's commonly you get within the thighs um and I've heard a mixture of things that you know it could be kind of abrasion um and then you're in kind of you get it in 
in in polar environments after like long journeys um for me personally the it's where the wind was hitting me um so I got it on my calf it was just above my ski boot and just below uh my polar skirt so like where I had that extra layer I mean don't get me wrong I still had three layers of clothing there but it was that one section like none of my clothing's tight um and it was that one bit where the wind was hitting me for a few weeks now annoyingly I didn't realize what it was straight away so it looked like a bruise. Now, bearing in mind, I was falling a lot and I thought it was a bruise. Um, so, you know, I checked my legs every day and I did actually get a bit of polar thigh in my inner thigh as well, but I knew what that was and I treated it appropriately. Um, and, you know, that was absolutely fine. Now, this big area on my calf started to get bigger, started to scab. And then I was like, oh no, you know, I know what it is. Mm. So then I started to put um, steroid cream on and, uh, but then it, it broke, um, like the skin started to break. So then I put um, kind of the appropriate dressing on, Granuflex, and I left that on. Uh, I mean, it, this all happened, I was only like five weeks into the I was trip. Say how long yeah. Wow. So then I covered it um, and um, with ALE, I spoke to a doctor every Monday and they're great. You know, it's like, it's called Medic Mondays and basically talk about any injuries I've got, anything I'm worried about. Um, so, you know, I spoke to the doctor. They were like, yeah, if it breaks, you need to put Granuflex on. Um, so I put the dressing on and I did, I did ask, you know, should I remove it and put another one? They said, no, you know, you don't want to kind of uh, create any more damage there to the skin. So then that dressing was on <laughs> until the end. And, um, it was painful, um, but I'll be honest, my neck was more painful. So um, I had... What, what is that What is that? just from the position that you're moving? Yeah, in? so from probably about day five, um, <laughs> I started getting neck pain. And um, I'm looking down at my compass. I'm pulling a very heavy, heavy sled in quite tough conditions. Um, so that got really bad, actually, to the point where I couldn't ski for longer than a minute without, uh, I put my poles out and, and passively like lift my neck up so that it wasn't that painful. Um, obviously, I only had a certain amount of pain relief. So I rationed my pain relief to get to the pole. And then I had one tablet left, uh, one codeine tablet that was going to be my emergency tablet to use in the next 14 days. Um, and I ended up taking that on um that last 40 hours so ju- yeah I think oh, it was like right, just yeah because yeah, I was struggling that, a lot um, <laughs> but yeah I, I kept it in my pocket and, and like my top zip pocket to have like during the day um, but it was only for like the emergency and even on days where I was struggling so so yeah the calf was painful um, and but the neck was more painful so. <laughs> <laughs> lots of painful things yes, lots yeah, of painful yeah. things and you're still recovering yes, from, yeah. from bits and pieces like yeah. you said about oh yeah so yeah I've, I've had surgery now um, yeah. and, and everyone's been great so basically um, I skin was taken from my um, upper left thigh um, and that's been a uh, put onto my calf so it's a skin graft uh, and it's all taken really well uh, I'll probably have those scars uh, for life but you know it's just yeah um, things that exactly it's part yeah it is it's part of me now <laughs> so bringing it back round is there unfinished business there slash what's next for you that yeah. you can talk about yeah what's the, what's the next adventure so I don't know that there is unfinished business and I think maybe that's because if I think about what I wanted to do before I even thought of Antarctica, it was to push my boundaries, push me to my limits, um, you know, to inspire other people to do the same. And I think I did that. You know, Antarctica wasn't, I didn't grow up thinking I want to do this big trip in Antarctica. I didn't know anything about it. Antarctica was after, I want to, I want to push my boundaries. How am I going to do that? And then I thought of Antarctica. Um, so I don't know that there is unfinished business there. Um, I don't get me wrong. I hundred percent think I would go back like an amazing place to be, you know, it really is. And Mm. just the people in the community that go down there as well. it, It really is incredible. Um, in terms of what's next, well, I do have a full time job in the army, so uh, so I will have to that. go. Yeah, <laughs> I do have to go back to that, and I think it's funny when people ask me that because I think people think I'm a full time adventurer, and for me, it's something I do part time. You know, I have a full time job. I had like training while doing it especially doing one after the other was hard work I'm training around work times I'm taking all of my leave to train I took unpaid leave from work to do the expedition that um, in itself is is a big step aside yeah. from though that time you're on the ice and yes yeah yeah and snow that's a massive portion of your life it is it is it. and like don't get me wrong I'm, I'm super grateful that I could take that leave but I can't keep doing that mm. over and over again so I think for me it's just figuring out um what's next in terms of uh 
you know, I will do an adventure, but in terms of work and everything else and how I can manage it all, because I don't want to do what I've done for the last two trips, um, trying to manage all of it. And after the first trip, which was nowhere for me personally, was nowhere near as hard as the second one. I struggled after the first trip coming back. I did, um, four months of school talks, um, organized by the army, four or five talks a day, weekend, like different regions of the UK, Northwest, Northeast, Midlands. Wow. And I was exhausted. Yeah. Uh, bearing in mind, I'd come back in debt as well. It was, yeah. And then that finished on the Friday, or I managed to get it to cut short, finish on the Wednesday. And then I started my next army role on the Monday. So then I had to move location and everything. And then within all that full-time job, I was also planning and trying to raise money for the second trip uh, and train for the second trip. So yeah, I, I learned. A bit of a rest. Yeah, I learned a lot from that first one, yeah. um, and you know, obviously, it's not great having an injury, but it's almost been helpful because I've had to rest. Um, so I think, yeah, that's helped me a lot. Yeah, well, I think what you were saying earlier about wanting to break boundaries yes, and inspire yeah. people. I think, I mean, the fact that you're, you're here speaking and, and talking about all of these yeah. things is an example of uh, you have achieved that, and it's an incredible adventure. And I think it's it's an amazing thing. So, I mean, thank you for, for coming here and, oh, and no. chatting about it. Um, and, and good luck for whatever, I mean, for the rest of your recovery, but also thank what you. you do eventually choose next. Cause if I've, I've spoken to lots of people that take on adventures yes, and marathons yeah. and, and stuff like that, and there's always something ticking going. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do something. Else, yeah. so, so there will be, but, um, thank you for chatting to us. And there's only one thing left to ask you. I offered yes, you yeah. a piece of advice at the beginning yes. from, from Colin and it's time now for you to leave a piece of advice for coming, someone coming on the podcast. Yes. Soon. I, the piece of advice I want to leave is, um, I'll probably like, um, go into a few different things, but don't limit yourself. Um, don't let anybody ever tell you that you cannot achieve something. Uh, I, I can expand, but I, I go off on tangents. I don't know if you want me to continue. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I, okay. think, I think that's yeah. a great. I think that's a great way to finish. Yeah. And I look forward to passing that along. Pre, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Outside and Active podcast with Preet, Polar Preet. And thank you to Preet for coming onto the podcast. A really interesting chat about an incredible adventure and looking forward to seeing what comes in the future from Preet. I know that she has some awesome things planned. And thank you to you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please share it with someone if you think they'd enjoy it just as much as you. Let's grow this outside and active community. And you can watch all of the back catalogue of the episodes or listen to them, download them now by heading to YouTube or outsideandactive.com and just listening to the amazing guests that we've had on the podcast. And we'll have another one next week. Don't forget in that time to check out Dry Robe, the sponsor of this episode at dryrobe.com. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors.